Hey, I'm JB. And I'm Doug. And, and we, we are your Kraken Captains. Welcome to the Kraken Captains podcast. Thanks again for tuning in. Well, we have reached the halfway point of the season, Kraken fans, so it's time to take stock of where the team is at and maybe try to forecast where they're headed from here. Yeah, JB, clearly not the place the team wants to be at this point in the season. There are plenty of reasons to be hopeful, including another set of game breakdowns that we got for all you faithful Kraken fans out there. Well, let's not waste another minute blathering on. It's time to get dragged into the depths of the maelstrom. The maelstrom, the maelstrom, the maelstrom, the maelstrom. All right, tell, tell the folks what they need to know, Doug. Well, Thursday, January 20th, at home in the greenhouse once again. That's right, folks, the Climate Pledge Arena with another sold-out attendance for the Kraken's bout with the San Jose Sharks for the second time this season. Grubauer took the net for the Kraken and did not disappoint, saving 23 out of 25. The Sharks put up one past him in the first period, getting on board first. The second period was all Susie, though. Juicy Carson Susie from Viking, Alberta, Canada, scored two big goals in the second period, giving the Kraken the lead. The assists came from our Kraken captain, Mark Giordano, Mason Appleton, and Alexander Wenberg. Cal Yarncroc scored the game-winning goal in the third period, three minutes before the Sharks put one more on the board. Gio with another assist on that last goal, along with Sneaky Morgan Geeky. This was the Kraken's second win in a row, coming off a big losing streak, and it felt good. Oh, Sneaky Morgan Geeky grabs himself one. Gotta love him. I love when Appleton scores, you know. uh, Giordano putting in work. Seeing Carson Susie get some. uh, Two in a row in a period. That's just, that's pushing hard. Yeah, He's yeah, yeah. Team working hard and it's paying off for him. Yep. So uh, that was a good win. I was there for that one. Uh, that was uh, a fun one for sure. Super so, awesome. Get to listen uh, to quite a bit of Nirvana there. It's funny uh, that one. <laughs> there was a bunch of like newbies, and I sat. Oh, yeah. I sat next to a Sharks fan. The seats on our left were. Uh, yeah. Uh, they had sold them to Sharks fans, but it, it was awesome. You know, they were great and. Uh, they tried to like start some "Let's Go Sharks" cheers, and I was like, "I can't have that." So I'm like, "Let's go Kraken!" Like every yeah. time they tried I, there's going to be a lot of Sharks fans in Seattle because the Sharks and the Canucks are the two closest teams, right? So if you're in Seattle and you've been there forever, chances are you picked one of those teams to follow. Right? Yeah, the uh, math is good on that for sure. Uh, you know, the, definitely, definitely, they've got some numbers in there. Yeah, but it was a a heck of a game and. Uh, one you can hang your hat on for sure. Well, the very next night, Friday, January 21st, the Kraken took on the St. Louis Blues in a traumatizing 5 nothing loss. Joey Decord was in net, stopping 26 of 31 shots, but the Blues had five goals, including a shorthanded goal by Tyler Bozak and a power play goal by Braden Shen in the first period, and then a goal by Colton Perrieko 
on a penalty shot. Now, come on, people. Yeah, see, that one was really tough because really you had the game against Chicago, which we covered in the last episode, and then San Jose game, and you thought, oh, we might be building something here. Finally coming through. You know, getting They're some gonna momentum. Get and I watched the game on TV, and it was like they forgot all of, like, everything they learned and all this, the momentum they were building. The St. Louis Blues just came in and blew the doors off of these guys. It was yeah, it was embarrassing. A hard game to watch, you know, because they were plagued by some of those same problems, turnover, bad turnovers, bad transition game, getting in and getting out of our zone into their zone and just, you know, breakaways. And, of course, you know, poor Decord, you know, is in there and he gets oh, just hung I out feel for the guy again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I feel for him, but it is what it is. But – uh, you know, lots of bad penalties. They lots of bad penalties. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Team just get, they they started to lose. They got frustrated. They you know they were on the penalty kill for a lot of the game. I think there was eight straight minutes at one point in that game. Oh my gosh! It's like okay, you guys. Uh, I can't remember who it was now, but I'm pretty sure in that game somebody took a penalty. Right after, like, getting out of the box, like, two penalties in a row. And then the next day, they were like, healthy scratch. <laughs> like, yeah, they are. Um, but we turned it around two days uh, two days later, Sunday the 23rd. Once again, at home in the greenhouse, the Florida Panthers come to town. Grubauer was in net. Uh, and you're kind of thinking, oh, Florida Panthers... They're, they're one of the best. They're, they're one, one of the, of the best, best teams, teams in the league right now. Yeah, exactly. But arguably the best team in the league right now. Yeah, yeah. So what a game, though. Florida scored the only goal in the first period, but in the second, the Kraken made their presence known, scoring three unanswered goals. Johansson started the onslaught, scoring a top shelf after a beautiful bit of passing from McCann and Giordano. And Yanni Gord added a goal on a fiery one-timer from Larson and Donato. And less than 20 seconds later, Blackwell puts one home. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was awesome. Dude, that, yeah, that one-timer. I could watch that every day. Seriously, that's, that's how goals are scored. Yeah. That's, how go- that's how you do it. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, Huberdeau and Barkoff scored to close out period two, so... We're all knotted up heading into the third. But uh, the boys came through in style. Grew shut down the Pussycats. <clears throat> I mean, Panthers. Uh, and Appleton scores the game winner. And old Ironhook has an empty netter. Uh, that's Yarncrock for anybody who doesn't know. Uh, nice. To put this one away. So this is like 180 degrees from the St. Louis Blues game. Uh, Grew was looking together in that seeing the puck well just unstoppable yeah yeah unstoppable and, uh, and these guys had all the energy you know um a lot of momentum chris passing i mean those first two goals it was all about uh the passing game and those crisp clean passes and finding that open person uh and putting it in the back of the net so it was it was amazing so yeah we we uh we took down the Panthers. Hell of a game. Good win. What was the final score on that? It was uh what, five to three? <laughs> five to three. Yeah. What a what a beauty. Moving on. 
Tuesday, January 25th, the Nashville Predators sauntered into Climate Pledge Arena and battled it out with the Kraken. Grubauer was in net once again. McCann put the Kraken on the board in the first period, but the Preds scored late in the period to tie it up. Adam Larson scored the go-ahead goal in the second period, but Nashville wasn't done yet, and before the game was over, they tallied up three more to make it a 4-2 loss for the Kraken. One thing I can say is that it's not for a lack of trying. The Kraken had 35 shots on net this game, but Soros stopped 33 of them. And some of the rifles that Nashville had just proved to be too much for Gru and the Kraken that night. Yeah, I recall this game, and it, you know, they let uh, they let Philip Forsberg go end to end. And I was going to say he's just he's just so put, good. He's, put one Philip shelf. Forsberg has he's got awareness like nobody's business. Yeah, he's a talented talented hockey player. Oh heck yeah! I mean. It's great to watch, except when he's scoring on your team. Yeah, except when um, he's scoring on your team. That's beautiful goal those, too. But I mean, it Nashville was, bastards. It was that type <laughs> of stuff where they were just—you got to clog up those areas, and you got to find a way to stop that sort of thing from happening. I mean, a lot of people want to complain about Gru, but he made some brilliant saves in that game when he could see the puck. Uh, and I think you know there were just some. Some miscues and little things. It's these little things they gotta like clean up. Um, yeah, some unlucky bounces and some, you know, some yeah. just. So just, I, I guess uh, what I'm saying is, you know, despite it being a four-two loss, I don't think it was that bad of a game. No, you I know. agree with you. I agree with you. They played hard. They that, looked like they could. They looked like they could have won throughout the whole game. Yeah, and they did. They did win two nights later on the twenty seventh. After that, what was it, six-game homestand, they would take the show on the road to Pittsburgh where Sid the Kid and the rowdy Russian Evgeny Malkin were waiting. Um, This was a battle from the start. Neither team was giving an inch until the rowdy Russian puts a goal but pass grew early in the third. Uh, But that would be all the German gentlemen would surrender. And late in the third, McCann hit the can. And this baby was all yeah, tied. Baby. Yeah, McCann hits the can, baby. That's what I'm talking about. He's good. Yeah, he is. Um, I I say it a lot on on our Twitter, but I'll say it here too. Ron, if you're listening, pay the man. Extend, <laughs> extend McCann so we can keep <laughs> yeah, him around. Because keep I think that he's, one for sure. He's uh, more than lived up to his end of the deal. So. But anyway, yeah, the magic uh, continued. You know, we tied it up and headed to OT, and then some bing, bang, boom passing. Uh, Winberg and Yarncrock find Larson for the game winner, and the Steel City rests under the weight of the mighty Kraken. So starting off the road trip uh, the right way. Yeah, I I just love seeing the Penguins lose for some reason. Yeah, something about watching Sid the Kid lose. I, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but you're right. I could watch that every day. <laughs> yep. Well, Sunday, January 30th, the Kraken got to skate together for the first time at Madison Square Garden against the New York Rangers. It was Philip Grubauer versus Igor Shesterkin in the Nets. The Rangers scored halfway through the first period and once again early in the second. But the Kraken weren't going down without a fight as Jaron McCann scored late in the second period and Yanni Gord tied it up with less than two minutes left in the game. The Rangers struck back only a moment later, seconds before the game ended, to make a 3-2 loss for the Kraken at MSG. Man, here's the deal. That game was a heartbreaker. It was. For the Kraken, you know, because 
they really battled in that game. And it it's so It was it was a close game. It was tight the whole way. Yeah, and tight it, the whole way. It's just so disheartening because they suffered again from that like most dangerous 90 seconds in hockey for some reason they just mm, and it was right at the end of the game with less than a minute left they had no chance to come yeah, back after that they, yeah well and they had just scored and you're like yes like, that's right oh, they tied it up you're like maybe we're going to overtime we're going to overtime we're gonna get the get, <laughs> we're gonna maybe walk out of madison square garden with a point here and then they just get crushed oh dude it's just so like oh yeah, so it's hard. not what you want to see if you're a Kraken fan. That's for yeah. sure. They're gonna. I mean, I think I honestly do think that's gonna be one of the huge things that they're talking about all off season. We're only halfway through the season, but all this off season, they're gonna have to solve that problem because it's happening to them way too much. For sure. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. And and you know, that's the <laughs> point. And at the end of the season, you may look back at a few of these games like that one and say. That's that's the difference, you know, or whatever. Anytime it's anytime it's you know, it's there's a point difference, you know. You gotta usually, get, you gotta get that usually, point. You usually usually a game work. when it's only by a point. If it's by two, you know, you 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 pull your goalie at the end and you try to go for it, and they put the empty netter in, and that puts them two ahead. It's like ah, that's close too. But if it was just a one goal game, that's yeah. a heartbreaker, no matter what. Yeah, yeah. The way that that the way that that one went down, it was just. We're like, oh, that's a pill we got to swallow. No All time right. to pull the goalie or nothing. Yeah, good news is a couple days later, Tuesday, February 1st, the boys were in Boston. Uh, pretty cool. Beantown. Beantown, that's right. Pretty cool <laughs> to see our team in Beantown uh, playing the Bruins and hearing their crowd kind of booing the boys. You know, that's a old school hockey town, one of the originals. So, uh, oh, just yeah. another you go in there, you got a bunch of like, assholes sitting in the stand, just yelling curse words at everybody. It's like, it's, you know, they, between, uh, between Massachusetts and Philadelphia, I'm afraid those two towns have the rowdiest fans that I can think of right now at this moment. Yeah. Yeah. So just kind of a cool moment. Be like, Hey, the Seattle has a team. Here we are playing, playing the Boston Bruins in Beantown. Get in there. Another, uh, hard fought battle. Kraken started strong, entered the second period 0-0, zero to zero, uh, but there were some boneheaded plays, and Drieger was kind of hung out to dry in net. Uh, Pasternak scores a power play goal. Uh, Taylor Hall scores another one with Pasternak on the assist in the period down two. But to their credit, the boys kept fighting, and Donskoy finally shook off the demons, uh, tallied his first goal of the season. He did score... A game winner and a shootout, but this is the first official goal of the season for him. So that was good to you see. Missed. Yeah, Appleton later on added his fourth goal of the season. And the momentum seemed to be all Kraken. Uh, unfortunately, the Kraken had no answers for Pasternak. And he tallied another power play goal uh, to put the Kraken to rest. That's bad penalties. Yeah. Yep. They were, uh, once again, you know, going to walk out of there with a point. The only thing that makes this feel any better is, you know, Donskoy finally scores a goal. And I've been waiting all season, you know. You know he's got the talent. So finally to get the monkey off his back must feel really nice. But Most definitely. It, it always sucks to see good hockey players go through a slump like that. Yeah. Well, Wednesday, February 2nd, the Kraken played the New York Islanders at the UBS Arena in a makeup game for the postponed game, which was supposed to take place on January 29th. 
but due to the bomb cyclone, it had to be put off for a few days. It worked out for the Kraken, though, because they got their first shutout in Kraken history on the road and in New York City, baby. The final score was 3-0. to All three goals came in the third period from McCann, Vince Dunn, and Mason Appleton. Eberly, Geo, Appleton, Larson, McCann, and Blackwell had assists. Philip Grubauer was the star of the game, stopping all 19 shots on net. This one feels good before the all-star break for sure. Totally. Um, I think, you know, the Islanders are maybe not the team that we thought they were at the beginning of the season, but I think they're, you know, a good team. And you want to get that win, finish off the road trip right, and uh, get home and before that break, you know. This one's always fun because if you're actually if, – if you're a Kraken fan, chances are you've been to a few Thunderbirds games because before the NHL was in Seattle, the Seattle Thunderbirds were the only hockey team that you could go see. And so if you were, like, at Thunderbirds games, you know that uh, Matt Barzell was the captain of the Thunderbirds. Right. Before he went on to play for the Islanders and, you know, became the fastest skater in the NHL and all that other stuff. Uh, so it's really cool to see uh, the Kraken go back and get to play against Matt Barzell. Well, those are the games. That's the breakdown for you. Well, let's uh, let's talk a little Kraken here at the uh, halfway point. I think there are some bright spots, some low spots for sure. Um, my big takeaway, I think, is that Grubauer is finally playing like the goalie they thought that they were getting when they signed him. I think he's gotten hot over the last, you know, week, week and a half. Or you know, Absolutely. I agree with that. couple weeks, the last couple weeks, he's been really playing with some, yeah. with some fire under him for sure. And I think, you know, maybe there's just so many things that go into it. The move over brand new franchise weird kind of off season and all that stuff and everything that goes into it. And maybe it just takes that long to get hot. I know he like went back to his like abs pads. You can see the, see the uh, like burgundy underneath. So I, I know he's like throwing everything at the wall. To I get think it that's right, what but... they're all doing. Yeah. They're like the whole team is kind of just, just trying a little bit of everything to see what they can do to make, you know, turn it around. Yeah. But my biggest thing is like coaching. So there's two things I think, you know, bad penalties and some of the things that are plaguing these guys, that's coaching, you know. You got to you got to coach that out of them or you got to get them out of there if they're going to be detrimental to the team. But on the other side of the coin, these guys are playing hard every night, you know. I think <laughs> Well, excuse me. Tell me about coaching. Chester, the hell are you doing, man? Come here. Cut it out. Go lay down. (laughs) (laughs) So these guys are playing hard every night, and uh, they could easily be thrown in the towel. I think they're, you know, 15 wins at this point. But, uh, and, and I think that's coaching too. These guys are buying in and playing hard and, so I would say, you know, at this point, things definitely need to change and improve. And the game, it's all about winning. You've got to win more games. But I'm I'm not ready to, like, jettison the coach if the, uh, the you got to give Hackstall a chance. If the players are still playing the way that they are and, and fighting every night, uh, you can clearly see that that 
you know, they've got fight in them. So uh, I'm yeah. proud of these guys. And, and I know it's got to be really tough to be in this position. And, you know, you want to you want to win games and you want to be having a better season, but they're they're battling through it. So I'm all about it. Yeah, it's it's funny because I'm I'm down here in Florida and there's a lot of you know Tampa Bay Lightning fans around where I'm at and I was at the rink the other night before a hockey game and uh, having a few beers in the bar with some of the guys on my hockey team and we were talking about Yanni Gord and and the Kraken and what's going on and you know he the guy that I was talking to was saying you know that's that's kind of the difference once a team. Uh, gets to the point where the playoffs don't really look like that's a possibility anymore. Then you got guys that don't, you know, they're not going to sacrifice their body to make a play or, you know, like block as many shots or, or take the chances that they would when, you know, you're, you're up higher in the standings and you got more to, you know, play for, right. They're just like, why should I risk my neck to get in seat and possibly get injured? You know, uh, when, you know, we, we don't going to make it anyway. And half the guys on the team might not be here next season when we do have a chance. So, uh, but not, it's not like that. I think the guys are playing hard. I can, I think you can see in the shutout game against the Islanders, the New York Islanders only had 19 shots on net. That's pretty low for an NHL game, you know, usually it's up in the high twenties right, or thirties even. So like you can see that they're playing hard. The, the defense is out there. They, they don't give up a lot of chances past their blue line, but you're right. It's the transition game that the injuries are just torture and yeah. the penalties, the penalties they're taking, that's bad. So like, no, I'm not ready to send, Dave Haxtall packing either. I think I agree with Ron Francis when he says, you know, he backs the coach and we're going to, we're going to see this thing through and we're building the team the way, you know, I, I think that, I think I agree with him. You just got to push through the first season, get it over with so that next year it's not, it's not, Oh, this is the first time that they've done this. This is the first time they've done that. And there's all that pressure. It's like, yeah. And then these guys get a chance to have like the, the off season practice and, come around and really come into their own and build some chemistry together. So Mm -hmm. exactly. I mean, it's, it's, I think that the second half of the season, you're going to see more wins to be honest with you. I think they're, they're starting to like head in that direction right now. It's just, yeah. 30% of penalties and everything else. 30% of their wins have come in the last like 15 games. So, I think, you know, and I and the think, ones they lose, they don't lose by too many. Right, right. And so they've they, beaten the Carolina Hurricanes and the Florida Panthers twice. Two, yeah, two of the best teams in the in the NHL right now as far as uh, according to the standings. Yeah. Got to got to got to get the consistency, but I think, you know, I agree with you that these guys buying in, I think they're actually more block shots, more people laying down now in the last like 10 15 games than there were in the beginning of the season even though even though the playoffs looked like they're further out of reach at this point so um yeah everything's out in front of them i think you know they just got to continue to gel and it's all about that consistency and yeah they really they need to continue to work on the penalties 
and the transition game and whether it's like a talent thing where they just don't have like the speed, you know, to cover that far or whatever it is, they, they got to figure out a way to, to mass that, you know? So I'm not, you know, I, I don't see everything and I, I don't know everything and I'm just spitballing, but definitely there are, sure. are things that need to be corrected. Yeah. And so Dave Haxtall, he's going to, he's going to be the guy to do it. And if not, then we'll find out who is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, you know, like, will you be happy if they win? Like, an, like say they win in the back half of the season, they win like 20 games. I would say that's a pretty successful, like finish to the season, you know, for sure. 40 more points. You know, I think they need to be above 90 to even be sniffing the playoffs, but but that gets them pretty close, you know, and maybe you get some exciting hockey at the end of the season, and we'll just see what happens. Some more big so, wins. Heck yeah. As long as Gru, I think, is hot and, and, uh, and you know, Decord or Drieger, more likely Drieger is, you know, <clears throat> hot as well or, or can handle, you know, a game here or there, then I think they – they got a real chance because they've, they've proven that they got the fight in them and that they can patiently like play their game and, and wait for those goals to come. You know, it's like third period down by two and still they find a way to tie it up and unfortunately like allow that late goal or whatever against the Rangers. But uh, they're right there. Yeah, they're right some, there. Some consistency in net would be nice. Those are, they're both two talented goalies. So <clears throat> they can, if they can just play consistently, then we should have a good second half of the season. There we go. Well, that's that's where we're at, and then, uh, I think you know, twenty wins. That's probably where we're going. I think they're building a little bit. So uh, that's just me, though. <laughs> I like it. I like. It. I'm I'm gonna shoot for 22, 23. 23? 23. That's my yeah. prediction. <laughs> hey, it's a good number. I like it. I like it. I'm in. Well, let's finish the uh, maelstrom with just a couple of notes. We had some uh, crazy. Crazy goalie shuffling there, and we've had some injuries. Um, Drieger went on COVID protocol early on in, in the run of games that we were talking about, and the team actually called up Anton Bibu. Uh, I love him. Yeah, but he was clearly not successful. Um, I think they got to look at him in practice because he never sniffed uh, game ice. And Robert they just said, he's, he's not it. And he clearly... He, <laughs> Sorry. That's all right. Kester, get over here. Bibu clearly wasn't ready. Um, so he, he, he never did play, and they sent him down. They brought up Joey Decord. Unfortunately, that wasn't very successful either. Um, uh, with the Blues game, and then by the kind of the end of this stretch, Drieger was back off of protocol. So they're kind of like uh, doing a little shuffle in there too, and that's that's never great uh, when you can't have a little consistency there as well. And then uh, we've got some serious injury stuff going on as well. Uh, Not just Tanev, right? But also we got uh, Schwartz, Alexiak, Carson, Susie. Carlton Kuhlman. Yeah. And Will Borgen, all on injured reserve. Right. So Susie is the only one who's day-to-day, and all those guys are on – everybody else is on IR. 
And the worst part is Kuhlman, I think, was kind of the guy that they they brought in to replace Schwartz uh, when they knew he was going to be out for, you know, more a significant period of time. And he goes yeah. down to an injury a couple games ago. So injury never, bug is biting. It's never good to see. You hate the injuries. Yeah. It's like, come on, man. You know, and then, you know, the we had the, the COVID spurt with the cancellations and you had a bunch of uh, we brought back the taxi squad and there was a bunch of, you know, people on that. Then you're up, up and down and back and forth from the checkers. And, and, uh, one cool note from the Islanders game was that Kale Fleury, uh, was brought back and he played on the same line as, uh, Hayden. So brothers, the brothers the, back again, the bash brothers had a game, but then he, right after the game was immediately sent back down to the checkers. I think, Probably wanting to get those guys, you know, as many games as possible. If you're going to be off yeah, give for them the All Star break, get them going in the, yeah, in let them go the, down, the play for the checkers. So the taxi squad is, you know, no more, and so lot, lots of lots of things going on and shuffling. But but uh, that's the catch up for you. So we'll keep and not just for the Kraken, but for the NHL as a whole with all that COVID stuff. It's yeah, it's crazy to see how they got to deal with all that and. And watch the teams go through with postponements of games, and, and you know they the, then they got the uh, uh, all star game and the Olympics and all that stuff. So it's like that's crazy. Yep. Well, let's move on yep, to uh, what's cracking in in the community. Yeah, let's check out what is a cracking in. Okay, well, I think we want to touch on uh, Willie O'Ree, first African-American player to play in the NHL. Um, He was uh, inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2018, and the Bruins recently retired his number 22. Biden awarded him the Congressional Gold Medal for services rendered, as it were. Uh, but I think, it, you know, I kind of saw it come across the board when we were in Boston because they were, I, I believe they were retiring his number the night that we played him. So JT Brown, one of the announcers for the team was there. Yeah, they, they were. You're right. You're right. I remember. Some, uh, pretty cool story. I remember his induction um, and uh, into the Hall of Fame. And, and <clears throat> they did a, a piece on him about his impact off the ice where he's kind of... Uh, Serves as NHL's director of youth development and just an ambassador uh, of diversity. Um, so I think that's, you know... They just couldn't stop talking about how much good he did for the community in, in New England. So Right. And really, I, really great guy. And, and they had, you know, they he, he got to get on TV and talk a little bit about his career. And, and it was really cool to listen to and, and see him play and to see the Bruins uh, retire his number. I also, you know, they just... Uh, the Rangers just required Henrik Lundqvist's number 30 as well, just like the couple days before that, probably. Oh, they retired Hen- uh, Lundqvist's number. Yeah. Good yeah. for him. That's yeah. cool. cool. <clears throat> Two teams in the, in the Northeast re- retiring a couple legendary numbers. Yeah. But uh, what's cracking in the community is definitely Willie O'Ree, baby. Yeah, and uh, I think these are important stories to highlight because, you know, news a lot of times sells. It's very negative. Um, and there's a lot of negativity out there, you know, a lot of, 
things happening in different yeah, parts if, of the if minor I had nickel for every negative and, thing, especially when it comes to like sports leagues, you know, yeah. like athletes, professional athletes and stuff like that. You get a lot of a really like horrifying stories. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so you get a guy like this, who's just like, you know, all American, you know, hero, basically. That's just wonderful. Well, I'm doing good doing good for for his community and for the sport in general and so um if you don't know about willie o'ree you should uh, go check it out and uh i think you know he deserves every accolade that that he's gotten and uh it's just really cool to see that the the bruins retire his number and everything like that and be a part of it and be able to witness that during the, that game you know so uh very very cool um so that is one of the things that's cracking in the community. And then we'll touch quickly on another kind of cool thing locally here. The Kraken are having a skills competition um, here in February in a in about a week from the time of recording this. Uh, Hockey! It's, it's like their own all-star showcase, I guess. So they're that's gonna, cool. They're that gonna, is it, yeah. yeah, they're going to open up the rink and uh, tickets. I found tickets for 10 bucks. I'm going to go and check it out and uh, just have, have a bit of fun and uh, see something a little bit different. I know the all-star game is happening right now, skills competition, so it's just a little uh, little local showcase. And, see who on the team has the hardest shot and yeah, is the just, fastest on the team. And you get to know – it's cool. That's cool. You get to see a lot about who can do what for the team and why we picked them. Yeah, so I think just another little fun thing. And obviously, you know, they're going to open up the concessions and, you know, make some money and, you know, whatever. And hopefully some of that's going to go to the one – one roof foundation and do some good. So I think it should be fun. And, and I think, you know, a good opportunity for people who maybe can't afford to go to a game because of the pricing to be able to go see the rink and see the players, uh, you know, for something that's a little more affordable. So if Definitely. you're thinking about it or you didn't know about it, check it out. Um, tickets are still for sale. So uh, go, you know, bring the kids, have some fun. And that is what's a cracking in in the community. Well, should we move on to what the puck? What the puck? What, what, the, what the puck? Yes, sir. So I thought it would be fun to um, talk a little all-star game versus the Olympics since they're kind of like back-to-back here. They're buttoned up against each other. And uh, what's your take Doug, on, on the All-Star game, is it cool? Is it lame? Well, I've always kind of liked watching the All-Star game. I think seeing – I mean, it is – don't get me wrong. It's lame. <laughs> but it's lame. It is. It's lame. <laughs> I think it's like – I don't know. It's a, I don't know why it is, but it just is. It, it's cool, though, to see, to see you know, a bunch of the guys that – who's got the hardest slap shot in the NHL? Who's the fastest skater in – the skills competition, I think, is the coolest part. The actual game itself, I could, I could do without. Honestly, I could give or take. But, but the skills competition part of it, I think, is really cool because at the end of it, you get to go. You know, oh, Matt Barzell was the fastest skater in the NHL this year. That's cool. The one year that John Scott was the MVP, that was a big deal, right? You get to see stuff like that. That, yeah, I don't know. Never... It just makes for a good story. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I think. 
Um, if you're making me pick, I'm going to pick the Olympics every time. It's unfair. It's unfair because there's a lot more going on, but, you know, it's not just hockey. But, yeah, I think, you know, it doesn't mean anything, right? The game, you know, these other games parade, like the NH or the NFL, you know, the Pro Bowl parade as like a, <laughs> a game that means something where, you know, like you're, how many times you got voted the Pro Bowl, you know, may impact your Hall of Fame. Uh, I know baseball, like the winner of the All-Star game is the host, like the, the home team for the World Series. But ultimately, all of them like don't really matter. It's kind of a fun thing for players that get to go to. They get to go to these cool destinations, whether it's Hawaii or in this case for the NHL this year, Las Vegas. You know, how can you not have a little fun in Las Vegas? For sure. But yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just a you know, for me, yeah, it's like take it or leave it. I guess if you got time and you ha- you want to have some fun and watch some skills competition, then that's great. But you know, you don't have to, and they're gonna air it anyway and and go through the whole thing. So. You know, yeah, it doesn't doesn't mean anything, but it's kind of a kind of a cool little thing. Yeah, like you said, like oh yeah, hey, Matt Barstow is like the fastest. You know, Chris Brogger's got the hardest <laughs> shot. Yeah. In the whoever's, yeah, whoever it is. So yeah, you know, kind of a fun little thing, and I think that's a little bit of what they'll be playing on when they do this, you know, talent showcase. So, so they're no know. Jamaican bobsled team, though. Oh, dude. The Jamaican there'll never team. be there'll never be another Jamaican bobsled team. They're in again this year. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what I meant by that, but it's just I was just joking. They'll never be another. <laughs> well, dude, that's I think what you're saying is like the story of the Olympics is much grander and greater. Yeah, you know, and uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. The, the <clears throat> NHL All Star Game can only can only showcase so much. Whereas when you have, you know the u.s men's ice hockey team playing the russian men's ice hockey team (laughs) right you know it it's a much much more like you said grand scale thing yeah and it, it means something for sure i mean i have never i have never witnessed a better like a better sporting event than the u.s women beating the canadians in the last Olympics to win gold after 20 years. Oh yeah. That was awesome. That was the greatest sporting event I've ever witnessed. It was incredible. So that's the type of difference you get with the Olympics. Yeah. You get the best in the league or you get the best in the world. Right. What's your favorite Olympic sport? A winter Olympic sport says it's the winter Olympics. Oh, hockey, of course. Yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's a pretty obvious choice for sure. And I would love, to, like, pretty much it's it's my choice too. But secretly, I like uh, scoot and shoot. Scoot and shoot. Which is All right. the biathlon. I always, liked, I always liked watching the luge and, oh. you know, the big ski jumpers. Yep. I think uh, the, that, the, that's so cool. I always end up missing so much of the Olympics every time it, it's like, it's like whether it's winter or summer Olympics, they like they air all this stuff. Sometimes it's on at like three in the morning or whatever, you know. Yeah, and they play reruns of it throughout the day. But like, unless you're really committed to like getting on television and, and watching it, you know, finding out where everything is aired and, and when they're going to be playing whatever you're interested in watching, whether it's figure skating or curling. Right. Right. Yeah, it is tough, and uh, you know, most of the time these things are in you know a foreign country that's you know nine hundred time zones away or whatever. So you're like three a.m. the opening ceremony. I'm gonna stay <laughs> yeah. up. 
Yeah. I'll watch that on replay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there, there's that part of it. But man, if like they've, it's helped now that you can like record TV, you know, to just go back and watch some stuff. When I was in college, we like made up a drinking game to curling. So I just, I watch curling all the time now just because it's like so nostalgic. <laughs> That's awesome. But yeah, biathlon, dude. I love the scoot and shoot. Let's ski and get all tired and breathing heavy and then shoot this air rifle at this target that's 40 meters away and like tiny Heck little, yeah. good luck those guys are guys and gals are incredible but yeah i mean the the majesty of it and the, the opening ceremonies I, you can't really beat the olympics but it's gonna be fun to check out the boys and, and girls and uh i'm excited to watch some uh ladies hockey i know they beat finland already um so we'll see what they do, and we'll see what the the men do, and we'll get to see Maddie. Team USA in Beijing. Yeah, Maddie Berniers, and uh, follow that along, and and I'll be there watching the biathlon, uh, rooting for Thickness Big Disboo. He's a Swede. I got you. I got you now. I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Now I know. I'm gonna I'm gonna Google that guy. Yeah, yeah. He's a he's a champ, man. Big uh, big time, but. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, of course, the answer is the Olympics for sure. The All-Star Games great and everything and I'm sure those guys have fun. And it maybe it's a maybe it's a little bit of consolation since they can't go to the Olympics this year or whatever, but John Scott's retired, so the All-Star Games doesn't mean anything. Kaput. <laughs> you'll never you'll never get another moment like that, I'm sure in the All-Star Game. So the, the the NHL will probably work very hard to make sure that doesn't happen. Well, before we close, I just want to uh, point out, let everybody know that uh, the new intro music we're using is a band called the Zambonis. They're from up in the Northeast. You should check them out on YouTube or Facebook or whatever social media you got because they are hockey music. Yeah, it's amazing. So, yeah, cheers to the Zambonis. If you hear this, hopefully we're – Please let us use your music. Yeah, we love it. We're, it's <laughs> we our new theme song until they tell us we can't. Exactly. <laughs> so, as always, the Kraken Captains would like to thank you, our listeners, for tuning in to another episode. Let us know your thoughts. Yeah, follow us on social media. Drop us a line and let us know what you want to know about our Seattle Kraken. Uh, thanks again, and we'll see you right back here. For the next episode, real, real soon. soon. We're on the air. It's hockey night tonight. Tension grows, the whistle blows, and the puck goes down the ice. The goalie jumps, and the players bump, and the fans all go insane. Someone roars, Bobby scores at the good old hockey game. Oh, the good old hockey game is the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game.